Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 104. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning into the show. It means the world to me. Before we start the interview, I want to give a special thanks to a unique, unique group of folks up in Southern California, specifically Manhattan Beach. Steve Stanley is a listener, listener of the show, and he had become out to the organization that he works with called the Sims Restaurant Group. And I got to tell you, they have four of the best and most unique restaurants in Southern California, as far as I'm concerned. If you make it out to Los Angeles, make a special trip down to Manhattan Beach and check out Tin Roof Bistro, Simsy's, MB Post and fishing with dynamite some of the best food you're going to come across and i got to tell you most importantly some of the greatest service and the greatest people i've come across in the restaurant industry in a long time so again check them out they're great folks great food most importantly most importantly they got great people who understand leadership again manhattan beach sims restaurant group ten roof bistro simsies mb post and fishing with dynamite thanks for the trip guys i really appreciate it now enjoy the interview well i'm so happy to have on my show today Ken Coleman. He's the host of the Ken Coleman Show, which can be found weekdays from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time on North Georgia's News Talk AM 550 WDUN. And he's the author of the book, One Question, Life-Changing Answers from Today's Leading Voices. He's been called a young Charlie Rose by legendary Coach K from Duke Basketball head coach and talk radio superstar Dave Ramsey labeled him one of the best interviewers in the country. His invigorating and insightful commentary combined with acclaimed interview skills, make him one of broadcasting's rising stars. On the short list of notable interviews includes President Jimmy Carter, Tim Tebow, Coach K, Senator John McCain, Tony Dungy, Pat Summit, Lou Holtz, Tony Robbins, Mike Huckabee, and on and on. Man, I need to get his Rolodex. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so, Ken, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Well, Richard, I'm glad to be with you today and your audience. Well, you know, I consider you a brother in arms, you know, and obviously uh, we were kind of joking in the, in the pre-interview um, when I stumbled across your stuff, I said, man, this guy speaks to me because it's exactly kind of what we're doing here at the Dose of Leadership on a much smaller scale, obviously, than what you. But give us a little background about yourself and how you kind of got started in, in, in your gig. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, was working as a vice president for John Maxwell uh, in 2003, 2004, 2005, and beginning to get a real itch. Um, to really get more clarity on my sweet spot. I talk about this all the time. I had a mentor share this with me in my young 20s. And he said, Ken, your sweet spot is at the intersection of your greatest strength and your greatest passion. And so I was uh, pursuing what I thought was a call to politics, but um, was really doubting that burn and uh, really was sensing a call to the media. And so here I am in corporate America, great job. Uh, knock it down a nice salary, but really restless. I was beginning to really wrestle through it, and so uh, through a series of events, uh, really felt like I needed to make some steps towards radio and television. And within this leadership organization that John Maxwell had created, obviously, there was such a great culture uh, for learning and growing. 
And so I just began to ask for opportunities to do some hosting at some of our own events. And uh, those led to um, some accolades and continuing to do more and more. And then I jumped out into uh, sports radio and, uh, you know, just opportunity after opportunity I would jump after and just to try to move the ball down the field. I think that's a big thing when you're when you're staking a claim on, hey, this is new territory that I want to go into. You just got to get some early wins and early momentum. And it doesn't mean a lot of people are going to see it or hear it, but you know that you, A, enjoyed it, and, B, you've got some talent. And that's what really helps you identify um, the sweet spot and momentum within that sweet spot. So that's the short answer, which is a, it's a really long, you know, you're talking about a four- or five-year path just to gain some momentum and uh, become known, you know, and build a brand. So that's kind of how it started, and we created a Catalyst podcast out of that, which is now one of the nation's largest leadership podcasts, uh, specifically targeted toward evangelical leaders, but uh, we interview people from all walks of life. And so that's what really has given me a tremendous uh, springboard, if you will, uh, into what I'm doing now. Fantastic. And I, you know, I didn't even put the even in this in the prep, realizing that your association came with John Maxwell too. That's great. Um, I don't know if we didn't talk about this in the pre-interview, but I recently became certified on the John Maxwell team as a certified coach and trainer. So, uh, so oh, cool! Did you see his latest book launch? Yes, webcast? I did. It was on my. You know, of course, I sent that out, and uh, that was great. I love his new book, by the way. It's great. Well, I was the host of that event. Yeah. So now, now I'm really connecting the dots for you. That's right. <laughs> Well, so John's been a mentor, man. He's just been great to me and has opened up a tremendous amount of doors for me. Yeah, so uh, you know the event was amazing in August, and and uh, just to be around that positivity, that that uh, culture of leadership, and uh, that culture of pursuing your passions and your dream and your big why. I mean, uh, it's it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, I you know listen, man. It's uh, John is one of those guys that I try to emulate. And I know you do too, well as well, Richard. And that's this idea of trying to keep things as simple as possible, uh, so that people can understand it and then apply it. Yeah, and the other thing that's amazing too about him, and, and when you meet him up close, and the people that are closest to him, and said this, that he he really is the real deal. I mean, a lot of times you see there's a lot of people out there in the, in this arena in this concept, but he definitely is one of those that that uh, walks the walk and talks the talk. Yeah, he sure does. Well, fantastic. Well, let's talk about leadership then with you. Who has been some of your amazing, um, who has influenced you the most? Somebody that uh, you can go back to, a mentor, someone that you really go back to and where this whole idea of leadership started with you? Well, you know, I'm a pastor's kid, so I grew up uh, in church and in ministry watching my dad lead. So I think there's certain, you know, there's no question when you're underneath a leader like that, you're going to be influenced tremendously there. And, and so understood. Um, the realities of leadership when, you know, he's a pastor of a small church, so that's a very different leadership dynamic. Uh, and then I had opportunities, obviously, to work in politics. If anybody knows my young background, my bio, I worked in politics right out of school. So I worked on campaigns, and I saw, you know, on-the-ground leaders in the form of campaign managers, uh, and then I actually watched elected officials, you know, govern and so I kind of began to study leadership from that standpoint. I've been a history nut my whole life. So I've, I've read great leaders, leaders like Patrick Henry, uh, Thomas Jefferson, Teddy Roosevelt mm. are three names from history that I really, really admire. And, of course, my really my modern-day hero growing up was Ronald Reagan. I loved his style of leadership, right. strong yet affable. Um, 
a guy who really knew how to connect with people. So, you know, those are the key leadership influences. Of course, I watch John Maxwell up close. I love John's leadership style. Uh, he and I actually share the same personality uh, profile. So, you know, those are a few names that I would click off the list right off the top, uh, people that I really admire. I love Teddy Roosevelt. Love, love, love Teddy Roosevelt. Um, so I would say Roosevelt and Reagan, two huge influences on me. Now, I'm in a different space now. I've led a company. I've led a $6 million company before. I was a vice president of Maxwell. But I'm in a position now where I'm really leading myself and, and trying to lead my wife and lead my kids. So I'm in a different leadership phase uh, in that I'm, you know, uh, God's blessing my career, but I'm in a different phase where I'm leading myself. I don't have a, a team of employees right now. So, you know, that's an interesting dynamic as well. Yeah, I'd agree with you. And, and I'm kind of in that same phase. I've, I've shifted uh, less from having uh, a bunch of people that I'm accountable for. I took a purposely took a job where I was flying so I could go back to my passion and it freed me up to, number one, do this podcast and, and do speaking and pursue the entrepreneurial path as well. But I've shifted too, like you said, from leading the family and leading the kids. And man, I got to tell you, that is the most challenging uh in a lot of senses, I'm curious to see what you think. It seems so easy to, to, to lead in an organization, but to lead that family is such a challenge. What do you think about that? Well, I think you're right. I think, A, it's the most important leadership role we'll ever play, um, and that's leading yourself. And then you got to lead your wife, and you got to lead your kids. you got to lead together with your wife. I mean, really, co-leading is, is, what, is what marriage is all about, especially when you, when you have kids and... And uh, it, it's the number one challenge. And, and as a matter of fact, you know, I, I ticked off some pretty famous people um, in the last question and the answer to that. But, you know, the world is littered with men uh, who have been called great leaders, but they actually have disastrous home lives. Mm-hmm. But I think the big challenge for, for those who are listening today is, yes, you want to lead well where you are. But the reality is, is that comes second to leading well in your home. And that's a huge challenge because what happens is uh, the rhythm of life puts us in a situation many times where when we come home, we kind of turn everything off and we kind of go to default mode. And boy, that's a critical mistake. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I said this on my radio show before, we've got to make sure that when we come home, we're giving the same energy level, <clears throat> the same engagement level that we are in the workplace. Uh, I think if we do that and we are consistent, and then I think we've got to be transparent. So I'm going to highlight three quick things, but I'm only going to, I'm only going to focus on transparent because this is where I'm learning well right now and where I'm trying to lead well. Because I'm really, um, I'm really not so good at this. I don't think many of us are. But number one, we got to have the right. We have to give the same energy at home as we do at the office, um, and we've got to be consistent. I think we all understand that. But transparency, I think, is huge. I think this works in the in the business world, the political world. It would work beautifully in the political world if we had anybody brave enough to lead this way. But transparency is huge. And what I mean by that is is we've got to be okay looking at our wives going, I'm blowing it here, and I blew it here, and here's why I blew it, because I'm dealing with this right now. And because I'm dealing with this and I'm not handling this very well, 
it's coming out of me over here, and this is why I did this, and I'm really blowing it. you got to be able to look at your little kids like I did six, eight weeks ago. Look, Daddy's not leading you well. I'm letting you get away with stuff because I don't want to hear you whine and cry. Hmm. And so I'm letting you get away with some things, and I've got to stop that, and it's my fault. It's not your fault. It's Daddy's fault. And it blow your mind what your kids will do when you say that to them, seven, five, and four. They may not understand everything you just said, but they certainly get that Daddy's being honest and Daddy is telling them that he blew it and he's not leading them well, and it brings them into the process. And I think, to me, because I am so flawed, and I'm also one of these guys that just candidly, anybody knows me, would amen this. I'm just so out there in front of everybody. I, I don't have a big filter <laughs> in my mm-hmm. life. And, and so I've got to step into that. That's who I am. And so the more transparent I am, then I think the more consistent I can be. And that's huge for leaders. You know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be right all the time. I think we as leaders get so worried about being right all the time. And I think we just got to lead. And then when we blow it, we've just got to own it mm-hmm. and not make excuses, but just be honest with people and authentic. And I think what will happen is not, yes, we'll learn from our mistakes. Of course we will. But more importantly, people will truly follow us and learn with us and then love us because we're authentic. And so if there was anything I would speak to leaders on, whether it be political, whether it be in church ministry or the business workplace, is we have got to be transparent. People appreciate that. People follow that. And more importantly, people love that. And I think if your followers love you because of who you are to yourself and to them, then I think you've got long-haul leadership. Man, amen. I mean, everything you said there was pure gold. We could stop the interview right there, and we could put that up in the annals of uh, Dose of Leadership um, gold because that is exactly what we talk about here, and everybody that listens to the show knows that I've been talking about this in every show, and it is so true what you just said. I think authenticity is the new authority in leadership. I really do. And um, I've, especially the last two years, I've really talked about the transparency, the authenticity, the vulnerability, the courage involved with all that. That's why leadership is so difficult. I mean, it's so easy to understand. It's intuitive, but it's difficult because of that transparency and that authenticity and that courage that is required for leadership. So what you just said is just uh, music to my ears. Well, that's just where I'm at right now, and I think that I think we can all take something from that, and I think we come out much healthier. Um, I think we come out with much more leadership stability if we live that way. I agree with you. You know, you, you talked about something early, and I, I'm curious what you think about this in terms of men and leadership. I, I've had a few conversations with some folks. I think especially uh, men of the middle age, men like myself and younger, but I guess men in all walks in life. But it seems like there's really no place to turn uh, for that authenticity, that transparency. Um, it seems like, um, and gosh, there's, and I'm guilty of this. Like you said, bringing that energy home and not being the same person uh, at home that you were at work. I mean, that is so critical. I think so many of us fall into that path. What can people do? I mean, what is it? Is it as simply as... Um, I mean, what steps can we take to bring that authenticity, that same energy level uh, to home, to be that same man at home that we were in the workplace? Well, I think, well, you kind of asked me two questions there. You kind of said, how do we be authentic, and then how do we bring the energy home? So yeah. I'm not sure which one of those, you know, uh, uh, let me say this. I, I think that as it relates to authenticity, it's, it's really hard sometimes to look at your wife or look at your kids 
or look at your close friends and say, you know what, I'm blowing it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm insecure. I'm scared. Um, I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, first of all, that just takes a tremendous amount of courage. Um, but here's what happens. Two things happen. I mean, there's a reason why... Let me just go back to the counseling model, right? We all have this phobia of going to counseling, you know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, I don't, I want to walk in there with a sandwich board and tell people why I'm really there so they don't think I'm a freak, right? So there's this phobia of what other people think. But we all know that when we sit down with somebody and just share what's going on in our heart, that it just feels better, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just something that is woven into our physiology that when we say, this is how I feel or this is what I did, uh, there, there's just this great, um, there's great healing that begins to take place, and we just feel better in letting it out. Um, so that, that's that's the first point. Well, when we begin to do that with those that know us well and love us and have some unconditional love for us, for one, we step over the threshold of fear. We go, okay, that that wasn't as bad as I thought it might be, and oh boy, I sure do feel good for letting that go. And then we receive the third piece where they just love us and they encourage us and they give us some perspective. And um, I'll tell you this case with my wife. So, like, I'm this guy that's on the radio every day, okay? And I'm encouraging people, and that's just my personality. I am an optimist, and I, and I'm, but I'm an encourager. I'm an exhorter. But you know what? Richard, sometimes I need to be encouraged. In fact, a lot of the times I need to be encouraged. And what I can do for you, Richard, and your audience, I can't do for myself. Right. And so I have learned to try to borrow other people's courage. I have learned to try to borrow other people's perspective because sometimes I'm so inside myself, <laughs> and I, I hope that makes sense. Oh, but I'm so inside my brain wrestling with what I'm dealing with or in my heart wrestling with what I'm dealing with, and I can't get perspective. But when I am authentic and just say, this is how I feel, I always get something back. I always get perspective. I always get that emotion that it seems that I need to borrow most. It seems that I always get it when I share it. And I get myself in trouble. I'm going to tell you every time I'm talking about me now, but I get myself in trouble when I do not talk. When I bottle things up and try to manage through it. Now, this is just me. Um, that's when I get in trouble. And I think authenticity to me means um, being honest with what's going on inside of me. And I think that's really important. Uh, now, that's the authenticity question. As far as the energy level, you know, you just have to kind of remind yourself that there's three little ones or two little ones yeah. or one little one and then one big one, right? You know, whatever your family situation is, i got to know that my wife's been dealing with the kids since I got home from school and they've been whining and fussing and all the things that they do and fighting and everything else. And, and, and so she needs to see me and she needs a break. Um, and then I've got three kids and they just want to see dad and they don't care about what's going on with me. They just want to see dad and they want to play. They want to tell me what happened at school. And so I've got to remind myself every time when I step in the door, um, what they need from me. And I think if we do that, and we just gut it out, and then if you need to get down, you need to call somebody, you need to talk to your wife after they're in bed, that's fine. But until they're in bed, you need to try to give them everything you've got. And I think that's really important because kids don't understand everything, but they can perceive a whole lot. Oh, yeah. And I think that what you said there, the intentionality of, and being aware, the awareness of knowing that you are making a bigger impact 
than you can possibly imagine, even just in the little things of being present with the kids, like you said, the little thing. So to me, it's the intentionality and the awareness and understanding that you make. You're making a bigger impact than you give yourself credit for. I mean, life, mm-hmm. lifetime of impact, you know, legacy impact with, with every little thing. So, no, I love that. You know, you said something, too, on the previous uh, answer to the question about the authenticity, the, the courage piece. You know, that really comes down to the brass tacks. That's really what it's all about is that it, it is difficult because it is an act of courage. It is so fearful to be authentic and take masks off. But I think once you realize that courage is a choice and that you will be afraid, the fear will never go away. But uh, the more that you act in it, the more comfortable it becomes in a sense. Uh, the uncertainty never goes away, but um, acting in that courage certainly pays tremendous benefits. I'm with you. When you shut when you shut down and you don't talk and you try to you know, gut it out or suck it up, man, that's when things go bad for me too. Yeah, it's just, it, I'm telling you, there's just some type of comment or some type of response or some type of attitude that is manifested out of that bottle that bottledness, if we yeah. can create a term there. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it just doesn't work. Um, I, I've got to be able to get some thoughts out and get the feelings out and get perspective. And again, you know what, this just gets back to two of my favorite C's in the whole world. Number one, communication, and two, community. I think if you are communicating and you are in community, you've just got a whole much better shot stay in the course in life and not quitting and not letting your circumstances get you down. I, I think those two C's, in fact, that's so good, I'm going to do a whole segment on the radio show today. Yeah. I'm going to do it on those. i got to remind people of those two C's because I think that is so important. I agree with you. You know, almost every problem can be, if you think about it, almost every problem in business and life can be wrapped up in those two, especially in the communication piece. Everything, lack thereof, communication generates so many problems. And the community piece, if you're surrounded, like I said, that's that's where you talked about borrowing that courage. Um, that's that's the reservoir that you need to get through life. I think realizing that you can't get it get by on your own or do it by yourself is 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 critical. Yeah, it's so true. You know, we I just don't think we're created to to be loners. And and I know there'll be people that are listening in here and say, Hey, I'm I'm a loner and I'm quite fine being okay. And, and you know, I, to some extent, I think that's probably true. But I don't believe that you don't need some community. Yeah. And uh, you may define it differently than I define it as an extrovert. But uh, I think community is everything. I really do. I think if you don't have it, um, A, you don't know what you're missing, and B, you just don't have what I think can be a powerful, powerful companion on the journey. Oh, agreed. Yeah. What do you think some of the biggest – or what is the biggest challenge facing leaders and upcoming leaders today? Wow, that's a whale of a question. Uh, let me try to honestly answer that. I mean, to boil that down to one is tough. Uh, but if I had to pick one, let me just pick one. I think a challenge for leaders in today's world. I think, I think being who you are supposed to be, um, and this gets back to authenticity again, so maybe it's authenticity, but let me explain how I think this is the biggest challenge for leaders in 2013. I think because the world has changed with the uh, ascension of social media, and so, you know, you just think back, this will blow your mind, but you just think back seven, eight, nine years ago, um, 
you had a blog, right? And yeah. so you could put up a blog post, and blogging was kind of coming in, I guess, and, and you could get some comments on that. But Facebook and Twitter just didn't exist. And so this instant feedback, um, this universal criticism, um, this supercharged voyeurism, these are three things that I think comes out of social media. And so those specific things make leaders really vulnerable to keeping up with everybody else and what everybody else thinks of you. Then you see other leaders and maybe they have more Twitter followers than you or maybe their blog posts are getting more likes and more visits. And all of a sudden you you get so focused on comparison. Right. And comparison becomes this insidious cancer. And so I think... We have to be able to, as leaders, <clears throat> on a daily basis, make sure that we're checking our authenticity at the door of reality and go, okay, now wait a second, am I really being authentic? And before I walk into this space that I'm going to lead today, am I being true to who I am? Am I in my sweet spot? So I'm not trying to be this other leader, and I'm not worried about how many views and hits I get today. I'm I'm worried about the influence that I've been given. And this is a tremendous challenge. Yeah. And another offshoot of this is this idea for those of us who are wired towards ambition and progress that we get so focused on the next that we miss what we need in the now and ultimately sacrifice the next. I say this in my talk all the time, I'll repeat this, because I think this is an axiom for so many of us that we need to really hold on to. In fact, I have a giant postcard size, excuse me, index card, uh, pinned to my wall in my radio station, and it's attached to the um, location map, the area coverage map of my radio station, because I have much bigger goals than just AM 550 WDUN. Right. But that's where I'm at right now. That is the daily show and the influence that I've been given. And so I, I wrote those words, don't obsess about what is next and miss what God has for you in the now. Mm-hmm. And so even if you're not a person of faith, you can. Uh, I don't want to offend anybody. You can take the God out if that's where you're at. I think that's not how I would do it, but... The principle is the same. Don't obsess about what's next, because you'll miss what you need in the now. And let me break that down so that you'll miss who you are supposed to influence in the now. You'll miss who you are supposed to love in the now. You'll miss who you're supposed to learn from in the now. And all of a sudden, you've sacrificed the next. The very thing you've been obsessed about, you'll lose it. You'll never get there because you blew the opportunity you had in the now, which would have set you up for the next. I think that's a that's a huge piece of authenticity as well. Yeah, I love that. It's so true, and I can relate to that from, you know, starting the podcast and creating the website, and, and sometimes you just get so obsessed with the download numbers and you compare it with somebody else, and then you can get down, and then your existence is all about getting the next like, the next number, the next rating. But you're so right. All you have right now is, is the moment you're in at this exact moment, you know. The past, Absolutely. the past and the future, they're all fantasy. They don't exist. And, um, no, I love that. That is so, so powerful. You don't want to miss where you're at right now. Yeah, I mean, there's so many opportunities. I mean, for, for one thing, you've been placed where you're at. At least I believe you've been placed there. Yeah. 
And so let me just put it in Ken Coleman terms. I can't be spending all my time today thinking about getting syndicated or thinking about a TV show opportunity or all these other things. I can't be so, I mean, I can have an eye on those. I can make a couple contacts and I can do this. But if that's all I ever think about, I'm going to blow my opportunity between 5 and 7 p.m. today to help people in North Georgia, to encourage people. Um, And I think that that's hard to do sometimes, right? Uh, Because you love doing that, but you also want to do it on a bigger scale. I mean, anybody who's wired for progress understands that. So that's the reality. So I've got to, I can have an eye on the next. But I can't obsess about it and only think about that. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's what that means. I think tapping into what you're getting at is tapping into your big purpose and why. If you know that, if that's what you're focused on, then everything else, um, it's kind of suspending the belief of of how you're going to get things done necessarily. It's kind of like in your case, you're suspending the belief on how you're going to grow a bigger audience. Um, but if you tapped into, you just know that you're going to. Right? It's a kind of a mindset. And uh, yeah. I'm a firm believer in suspending the belief on how it's going to get done. Just know that it's going to get done. And um, and if you're tapped into your big purpose and why, I think that keeps you grounded and focused. And I don't know. I the obsession when you start to obsess over the nitnoid stuff and and doing you lose you lose the ball or you lose the focus on the big purpose and the why. And I think that's when everything starts to derail, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think hopefully. Um, I think the backside of this, I believe, is that when the success comes to the rate that you maybe wanted or beyond your wildest dreams, you are grounded so that you don't get hung up on the craziness that comes with that, right? right. Because you you remembered when you wanted it really, really bad that you were able to keep your focus on the little and focus on the little, be faithful in the little, and then when that big comes, you've already you've grounded yourself to where you go, this is what it's really about. This is the same thing. Yes, there's more people now, um, but I still got to be totally faithful to what is now the next. Um, you know what I mean? Excuse me, what, what the next that is now, right? So that next that you always dreamed about or beyond your wildest dreams, it's here in front of you. So now you got to rest in that. Yeah. Right, and I get so focused on the next insane thing. I mean, that's where that thing gets dangerous, and then it only just becomes another like rat race. And even though you're very successful, you're just as miserable as the guy who's stuck right. in the maybe low income rat race. That's right. I love that. Great insights. As we wrap up here, what are you doing to ensure that you continue to grow and develop as a leader every day? Yeah, well, I take a page from my uh, friend and mentor who we discussed at the top of the podcast, and that is John Maxwell. And I think you know he he talks about his his book last year, um, where the laws of personal growth, and he has a daily five. And uh, I think we all need to develop our five. What are the five things, or three things, or two things, or whatever that you have to do every day? I'm reading a book on habits right now because I am by nature a gregarious, extroverted personality, and so I'm not as structured as other people are by nature. And so for me, habits are big because I'm never going to be a structured guy. But I think habits will help me with some of the structures that I need um, in this great season where I'm building and growing a career that's uh, showing promise. And so for me, it's reading. Uh, For me, it is some thinking time. Um, I also want to make sure that I am always looking inside and growing and going, okay, where, where are some areas that you, you, you're just kind of teetering a little bit? 
um, because you're not giving it some focus. And just that honesty, so that kind of follows the thinking time and just really working in, in, on those areas. Um, and then, you know, the thing that I try to do to grow every day is I, I try to put myself in a position of risk on some level uh, with the radio show every day. And what I mean by that is not true risk, I guess, but I want to put myself out there and be really authentic and vulnerable on the air. So, yeah. you know, I I want people to know that, A, they can trust me, and that, B, I'm speaking to myself. And so that's particular, that's very particular to me, because I'm on the radio every day, and I'm trying to create a whole new type of radio show where we talk about the things we talk about if you came over to my house for dinner, and we encourage people, and we lift people. Um, so... Those are the big three I try to do every day uh, to continue to grow. And then I'm also trying to put myself into positions. Uh, the last thing I'd say is I'm trying to put myself into positions where I'm pushing myself a bit. And uh, so I'll like, take a day coming up next week. I will emcee an event, a local leadership event, at 8 in the morning. Um, then I will do what I have to do from a work standpoint and prep for the show. I'll do the show. As soon as the show is over, I will drive 30 minutes and I'll speak to another leadership group. Now, that's a long day, and I don't know if people appreciate how hard it is to do two hours of radio every day. Um, and I'm not talking about the prep. I'm talking about just on the air. You're just mentally exhausted. And right. I'll drive, and I'll have to speak and encourage other leaders. And that's a day that I'm looking forward to, not because I know how exhausted I'm going to be and how tough it will be to be up and deliver, but I know that's going to make me better. And I know that it's going to increase my capacity. It's kind of like endurance. You know what I mean? It's kind of, I've never met somebody who goes, man, I'm really looking forward to a 30-mile run. <laughs> right. uh, but they are looking forward to getting out on the other side of it and knowing that coming through that 30-mile run, they're that much more prepared for what will one day be a much bigger test, right? And so I'm trying to do some of that, you know, two, three times a month to where I've got a really intense situation where, from a content standpoint, delivering it uh, and physically and how hard it is, um, because I think it's preparing me for something much bigger. Well, I love it. Ken, you're a, I'm, I'm a, you're a newfound fan over here in, uh, in uh, Wichita, Kansas, so I appreciate what you're <laughs> I doing. I appreciate that. And uh, I love your stuff. A great conversation, man. I could talk to you for hours about this stuff. Um, where can they find you? Yeah, well, a couple places. One, I'd love to tell them about the book. We really didn't talk much about the book, which is fine, but I my first book came out in April. It's called One Question, Life-Changing Answers from Today's Leading Voices. Two simple reasons for writing the book. Number one, I wanted to compile wisdom from some of the great people in our world, and we did that. There's 34 guests, the best-selling business authors of our time, champions from sport, great political leaders, great spiritual leaders, and each one of them has a different, unique question divided in the three sections of the book, succeeding, surviving, and sustaining. I believe the three major seasons of life that we all have to walk through and walk through it well. And the second thing I want to do is highlight the importance of a question. A single question can yield tremendous power. As I write in the book, good questions inform, but great questions transform. I introduce a phrase in the last chapter of the book called the habit of inquiry. And this is where I'm challenging people to continue to ask questions. Research shows that by the time we reach the eighth grade, most of us are only asking two to three questions a day. And you combine that with our Western education system that is training kids how to answer questions, not to ask them. We are pushing new people into the workforce that have no idea how to ask questions. And I know this about great leaders and great performers. 
they share one thing in common, and that is a huge curiosity as to what is next, how can they can get better, how they can lead better. And so that, in short, is the book. You can get three free chapters at OneQuestionBook.com. <coughs> excuse me, OneQuestionBook.com. It's spelled out, OneQuestionBook.com. Marcus Buckingham, Lou Holtz, and Mark Burnett, the creator of Survivor and The Voice. Three free chapters, no strings attached. I think you'll love the format. Each chapter is only four pages long, and uh, they can check that out at OneQuestionBook.com. If they'd love to listen to the radio show or the podcast of it, KenColemanShow.com. Ken, what a thrill. This has been a fun conversation. Um, well, thanks, man, for letting me share. Yeah, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. We'll have to we'll have to do this again. There's other topics I want to talk to you about, so we'll have you back uh, in, in the show if you're up for it. Absolutely, anytime, man. All right, Ken, thanks for coming on the show. We'll talk to you again. Thank you, Richard. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.